Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 through 19 says this. Because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose. Everybody shout unchangeable. unchangeable. Maybe that's a good word sometimes, especially when it's in reference to who God is. His unchangeable purpose. Even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath so that through two unchangeable things, his oath and himself, and that's what we need to understand at the scripture when we, when, we, when we get to the hope part of it. The reason that we can have hope is because we have a God who's unchangeable in both his word and his character. All right? So that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope that is set before us. And this is probably one of my most favorite pieces of scriptures in the Bible. Verse 19, it says this. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. This hope we have is an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Today as we begin our series, Hope, I want to speak to you from the subject, dropping anchor. Dropping anchor. As we deal with the issue of, of what we allow to be and place our hope in. Will you pray with me just one more time this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and it's active, that it's powerful, that it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. And so, God, right now, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would teach us. God, we need to hear your voice this morning. Our hope needs to rest in you. God, we thank you for bringing us all safely together today so that we could worship together, that we could stand in community with one another, and that we could hear your word. And as we do so, we know that where two or more are gathered, you are in their midst. And so we thank you that where you are, there is freedom in your presence. So I pray for freedom this morning. I pray for hope this morning that we all leave this place hope-filled in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody shout it on this snowy day. Amen. Show of hands. How many of you would love to be on the beach right now? Let's just be honest about it. Okay, mo most of us. <laughs> okay. um, I had the privilege of spending my college years in Australia. Um, it, uh, I suffered for Jesus over there. And uh, I came back my first year, after my first year of college during break. So if you, if you don't know much about it, uh, it, December, January, February is when my break is over there for the Christmas break, which is technically Australia's summertime. So the temperatures go up, it's hot over there, it's beach culture. And uh, so I left Australia after my first year, came back to the States and uh, went to Seattle, which was awful because it was just completely rainy and cold. And so I vowed in that moment that I was never gonna come back for Christmas again um, during my college tenure there. And I did, I, uh, after my first year coming back, I went went back to Australia and I didn't come back until I was done with college. So during the summer times, December, January, February, I would hang out there and I would work on your student visa. You can work as many hours as you want during the summertime. So I would work and I would surf. And that was what my life consisted of during the summertime. It was, it was fabulous. I got a great education. Um, so, um, but uh, during the summertime, uh, after that first year, um, my buddies taught me how to surf. And, and obviously Australians, they came out of the womb surfing. And um, so that I needed to learn how to do this. And it was, I mean, it was amazing. Some of my, some of my fondest memories are, are in the ocean, surfing with some of my buddies. Some of the probably most profound moments of my walk with Jesus have been just floating in the ocean on a surfboard. And, um, and it was just a really great time in my life. But I'll never forget when I was learning how to surf, a conversation that my buddy had. And many of you would understand this because you, you have to have this conversation even if you go body surfing, s swimming in the ocean, everything like that. Because how many of you would agree with me the ocean's a very powerful, powerful reality, right? It's, it's scary. It's daunting at times, especially when the waves are getting big and everything like that. So I'm learning how to surf one day, and I'm in panic mode because... 
as I'm surfing, I'm a pretty good swimmer. I'm, I'm going out, trying to get out as far as I can because what we would do is we'd get out far enough past the, past the most internal break. We'd get out as far as we possibly can and wait for bigger sets to come in. And so as we're out there, you drift on your surfboard and you would sit up and then you would straddle your surfboard and it's right here and you'd talk with your buddies and everything like that. And it, was, it was a blast, some of the most peaceful moments. And uh, I'll never forget when I was first learning how though, as I, sat on my, as I sat on my board, I just kind of sat there, did nothing, didn't think about anything and, and just kind of let everything go as it was. And how many of you know when you get into the ocean, if you don't keep your eye on the, on the shoreline, if you don't keep your eye where maybe where you got people parked up on the beach or anything like that, I mean, if you know like an hour, you've drifted left or right a significant distance. You ever been there before? And then you panic because you feel like you're lost. You're like, where's my, where's my friends? Where's my parents? Where's this? Where's that? And so I've even had to teach my son, like the current will take you. If you're just drifting and floating, the current will take you. And I'll never forget what my buddy said when, when he was teaching me how I need to pay attention to the shoreline and understand the, the breaks and understand which way the current was going. He said, listen, you got to make sure that you're always aware of the shoreline because if you drift, you got to understand that you will drift into a place that like, you don't even realize where you're at because your surfboard doesn't have an anchor. And I was like, oh, that's fair enough. It'd be cool if you just carried an anchor, but that doesn't work, right? Your surfboard doesn't have an anchor, and it's that, it's that line of teaching. It's that line of thought that the writer of Hebrews wants to understand as, as he writes these verses right here in Hebrews 6, 17 through 19, when he tells us that hope is an anchor for your soul. So show of hands once again, if you can agree with me this morning, how many of you would agree that life has a tendency to cause us to drift? You ever been there before? You ever been in life where you, you were like, okay, I'm here, uh, and things are good, and so you, you stop paying attention to what's in front of you, you stop paying attention to the things, the Bible talks about being on guard, we stop paying attention, and we're just kind of doing life, doing everything like that, and then have you ever been like I've been before, where you get to a certain place, you look up, and you realize, how did I get here? Have you ever realized that you've drifted? I'm not even talking about bad things, I'm just talking about drift in general. In our marriage, if we're not careful, did you, I mean, married couples, you, maybe you'd agree with me on this. In your marriage, you can drift, and you don't even know it. Why? Because you're paying attention to kids and bills and, and jobs and, and this and that, and all of a sudden, you can look up one day, and you can be like, we're not even in the same room anymore. We're not in the same space anymore. Sometimes we just have to grab each other's hands, and we just touch, so we know we're there. Why? Because there's drift. We can do it in our friendships. We can do it with God. We drift. And so it's interesting, this Advent season, that we start in a place where the writer is encouraging us to examine our lives and ask this question. Do I have an anchor for my soul? Do I have hope? And if I do have hope, what is that hope? What is my hope in and what is it resting upon? Because we may have hope, but the question that we need to consider today is, is it right hope? Is it good hope? And I'm not talking morally good. I'm talking about hope that has the ability to be stationed because of what it is anchored in. And this is what the writer is saying. We have this hope, an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And so what I want to do is I want us to understand that hope is a necessary ingredient. It is the anchor for living in the space between now and not yet. It's the space of life that we occupy the right now, in life, and the eternity to come. And the space in between that I think, if we're all honest, would say at times is difficult. 
And so we look to eternity, we look to our now, we try to figure out how do we navigate this thing, and it's in this space that we can have a tendency to drift because life causes us to drift. The space in between now and not yet is wrought with all kinds of twists and turns, trials and temptations, setups and setbacks, wins and losses. Have you been there before? All of these things tending to diminish this hope that we could and should have. So Paul would say it like this in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. You love your Bible? Because we got a lot of it this morning. It says, therefore, we do not give up. That's a word for somebody today. You came in here and you were willing and ready to give up. Don't give up. Don't give up today. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. Come on, somebody. We do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Charles Spurgeon said it like this, hope itself is like a star, not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity and only to be discovered in the night of adversity. See, here's the problem, is that for many of us, our hope is not in the one it should be anchored in. Our anchor of hope is not resting in Jesus, it's resting in a million and one other things. And so this is why adversity frustrates us. This is why the loss of relationship causes us to drift further than what we realized before. This is why we have a tendency when we get bad reports to lose our minds about things instead of staying stationed in the place that we can be stationed all along, no matter what the situation is in life. This is why some of us will come in here this morning and we'll see those who are excited and, and, and seemingly joyful, right? And we'll sit back and, we'll, what, I mean, how, they must be faking it. You ever been there before? You think that they're just, they're just faking it. No one can be that joyful. Here's the thing that I've learned is that when you're hopeful, joy flows out of it. Why? Because my joy doesn't rest on my present. It rests on future things to come. My joy is not resting in my circumstance and situation. I love watching people who are in the worst of circumstances have the most joyful attitudes. And this happens because, not because we're like happy, clappy Christians. You ever met that person before? You want to slap them? Can we be honest? Right? There's that Christian, you're like, everything's good. Everything's good. Everything's good. Everything's really good. And they're kind of creepy, Right? But, like, like, I met those people and I was like, step away slowly. Because <laughs> you're like, that's not possible. I've been there before. You ever met the person, though, who is like woefully going through it? And you're like, man, you have every reason just to hate everybody and everything and God himself. Where are you at? How you doing? You know what? It's been rough. But I'm joyful. My face shows you the reality of my circumstance, but if you were to cut my heart open, you would see Jesus at the center of it. That is hope. That is the essence of hope. It is an anchor, the Bible tells us, for our soul. I wanna give you a thought about an anchor. Anchors have a very specific use in design. It's deep, I studied this a lot. They are used to hold the object in which it's attached to in place. I was surfing during college, let's just be honest. 
<laughs> See, ships drop anchor in order to remain stable and secure, to have a type of staying power as they pause in their journey for the night or to weather a storm. So this week in my study, I started uh, just like, have, I was like, I'm just going to study all things nautical. Let's do that. And so I'm looking at ships and boats, and uh, I got onto YouTube. That's what I do in study is, um, <laughs> and I was like, YouTube, and I searched for worst anchor accidents. Yeah, don't do it. It's horrible. Um, but I, I saw this one where they, they, it was this big old oil, like oiler ship, like massive. And have you seen the anchors on these things? Like the chains alone are like this big, I mean, they're gigantic. And so there's this guy letting down the anchor and the, the mechanism that holds the chain that allows the anchor to keep on dropping at a steady pace, it starts to burn out. And then this anchor starts to fly and these chains are flying through the pulley system. And they're watching this whole thing happen. And the chain went all the way through, like got to the very end and then it disappears, <laughs> goes down. They lost their entire anchor. And I was like, that was sweet. <laughs> the guys on the boat didn't think so. But I came across during my study this week of a, um, I came across an article uh, from a sailor, boater type of guy. And he started to talk about the, the common mistakes when it came to anchoring ships. And I thought this was a really interesting article because as I was reading it, I really felt like God was speaking some things to me about this issue of hope. So I want to tackle hope from a different perspective today. With the remainder of our time, I want to take a look at the most common mistakes found when dropping anchor and use them to create. These are not my points. They're the points from this gentleman who wrote this article, and then I'm going to draft it over to some transferable truths for us that have to do with this anchor for our soul. Does that make sense? So I need your help this morning. Three, we're going to look at three common mistakes found in dropping anchor. I need everybody to shout number one. First one is this, is the employment of an inadequate anchor. He said that one of the greatest things that happens is that we actually have inadequate anchors on board our boats. This is what he said, and I quote, and this hauntingly stuck out to me. He said, the vast majority of anchors that you see on the bows of boats in the marina are woefully inadequate and see, the truth is, is that for many of us, we have employed an inadequate anchor of hope in our lives. In other words, we have an insufficient hope or no hope at all because we have not allowed our hope to be in Jesus. Okay, spoiler alert. I'm going to give you the end of my message. It's about Jesus. <laughs> Church dismissed, we can go. We're going to work backwards now. Because at the end of the day, can we be honest in here? Can we have like a little therapeutic moment? How many of us at any point in our life, at one moment or another, we have placed our hope in something other than Jesus? We've all done it. We all still do it. Even, even those who have been following Jesus for a while, there's this temptation to place our hope in all kinds of other things. I heard a quote once that impacted me profoundly. This person said, when people tell you there's no hope, it just means that they lost theirs. It's a sad statement, but a true one. And many of us can agree, and not only agree, but we can identify with that sentiment today, right now. See, to live hopeless, to live a hopeless life is usually because we've employed an anchor of hope that is insufficient for our lives because that which we have made our anchor of hope does not contain the power, the ability, the character, and the strength to be our hope. This is what the writer of Hebrews was communicating to us. The reason that we can hope in Jesus is because he's unchanging. How many of you would agree with me people change? How many of you would agree with me systems change? 
Right? How many of you agree with me that products, they change? Right? Have you ever noticed how much toothpaste changes? Does anybody else want to throw something at the TV when they're like, new and improved toothpaste? And it's like, no, it's not. It's the same toothpaste. You just gave it a different logo. Things change. How many of you would agree with me that the world is in constant change? And the problem with the fact that everything changes is if you're like me, if you analyze things, I have a tendency to be pretty analytical, but I tend to overanalyze things many times, is that when you start looking at that, you start realizing that there's nothing stable in life whatsoever. Which is like, for a realist, we can get down with that. There's nothing stable ever. It's like super depressing. Depressing. Until you realize what Hebrews is saying, and that by two unchanging truths, his word that doesn't change, and his character that doesn't change, we now have a hope, because the thing that does not change has the power and the ability to have us put our hope in him, because he will never change. That's the good news about the season that we're in. It's not the good news about Christmas trees and gifts and all that stuff. And it's not bad to celebrate that way. If I hear jingle bells, I might go nuts. But all the same, our hope is not in that. Our hope is in the thing that's unchanging. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Do you ever feel hopeless after the Christmas season? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Let's work this out. Right now, we love our house. We decorated our house yesterday. We moved the living room around. The couch got moved around, and I get super amped. Like I'm, like I'm an amped person, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> this is only one cup of coffee, y'all, okay? Come to five. Um, <laughs> some of you know. <laughs> some of our five peers in here, and they're like, yeah, that's why we're at 1130. <laughs> so she moves the, we move the couch, and we move the chairs around, and we put up the tree, and things are like clean and tidy in there, and there's like twinkling Christmas lights and everything like that. So we sat down, and I, and I was like, oh, I love this. This is so awesome. I love this. I love this. I love this. I get pumped. I'm like, we should leave the couch like this all the time. We should leave the chairs here all the time. And then we were sitting at dinner, and I told her, I was like, we should just have a tree all the time, because I love where the tree is at. How many of you are like me? You love this season, and then we transfer into January, and you are depressed because your living room is different. It's like, what happened? It's because things change. And sometimes our hope can be placed in things that are always changing. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, hope is an anchor for your soul. We've got to understand what our hope is in. There's a promise that we've received from God. That promise lived among us and was given to us as a gift. Jesus, he lived, he died, he rose again so that we might have hope and not just hope, a living hope, a hope that secures eternity for us, a hope that gives us grace and forgiveness, a hope that says in the midst of our storms, you can trust and know that I am sure and steadfast. That is the hope that we have. That is why we celebrate the way that we do. That is why we sing joyful songs. It's not just systems of worship that we do in a Sunday morning expression. No, no, no. We sing these songs because we understand the greatest gift that has ever been given has been given to you and I. Have you ever unwrapped a gift before that you love so much that you're so pumped about getting? You ever been there before? You're just like, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. Some of you are like that still in your 30s, 40s, and 50s. 
Uh-huh. My wife still shakes the gifts. I'm like, babe, you saw what I bought you. I'm talking about, what is it? I'm like, you do the banking. There's that, why? Because it's this hope that's in us, isn't it? I know for some of us, though, this season is not hopeful. It's hopeless. But I would challenge why it's hopeless. Is it possible that whether you're to this degree hopeful because of the season that you're in or this degree hopeless because of their season in, is it potentially because we have two things that we've placed our hope in that we shouldn't have? But we can remain constant no matter what the season is when our hope is placed in that which is constant. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Bible says, about this God that we serve. See, the employment of inadequate anchor is one of the greatest reasons that anchoring, dropping anchor for a boat doesn't work. He is our fully adequate anchor. Come on, somebody. (laughs) He's fully adequate. He's fully able. And as we employ him as an anchor, we do not drift. Number two, everybody shout shout number two. Two. The second reason that this, uh, in this article, he would say that uh, people fail at anchoring is because they, uh, there's a choosing of a bad location for anchoring. So it's not just I have this, this hope, an anchor for my soul. It's understanding where we place our anchor is very important reality as it will determine our ability to set our anchor. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says this, For no one can lay any other foundation than that what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. But have you ever tried to lay another foundation? Haven't we tried to lay foundations from relationships? Haven't we tried to lay the foundation of our job? Oh, come on, somebody. Haven't we definitely tried to lay, lay the foundation of our stuff and things? Aren't we right now in the current culture that we're living in laying a foundation of politics? Uh Uh-oh, I'm messing with some people now, right? When we start laying those foundation, any other foundation that is not Jesus, can I I tell you, is a a foundation that cannot hold the anchor of hope for your soul. Doesn't work. So it looks like this, that Christ is our hope, And he is the foundation in which our hope should be placed upon. So I have this hope, an anchor for my soul, Jesus. And I drop that anchor, and now i got to allow that anchor to rest upon a foundation that is secure and steadfast. It's Jesus. So wait a second, Jason. You prepared this entire weekend just to tell us it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus? Yes. (laughs) And I can't stop pounding that ground. Why? Because it's the firmest foundation we can stand on. So Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 29 says this, therefore anyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rock. The rain fell, (laughs) the rivers rose, and I do this when I'm reading my Bible. So the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was what? On the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, and it pounded that house, and it collapsed. And watch what, not only did it collapse, watch what the Bible says. I think it's interesting. It collapsed with a great crash. 
See, when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. I want to ask this question today. What is the foundation that our hope is resting upon? See, we as people tend towards making all kinds of things other than Jesus the foundation of our hope. Politics, family, friends, relationships, marriages, kids, money, material items, job, security, prestige, and position, education, health, and wellness, whatever. None of these things are necessarily bad. We're not talking about bad or good at this point. We're just talking about things that don't have the strength or the character or the resolve to hold your hope. Erica knows this. This is not going to slight our marriage whatsoever. I love her with everything that I am, but my hope is not in her. Why? She'll let me down. All the time. <laughs> and all the time. No. <laughs> she loves me with everything that she is. But guess what? Her hope is not in me. Why? Because I will try to kill us in the morning on the way to church. Her hope is not in me. Parents, we can put our hope in our kiddos. Super easy. Why? Because we get love and we get adoration and we get all the things that we're missing in the world sometimes until your kids shift and change and then they say things like, I don't need you to help me. You're like, what? What do you mean? My hope was in you. We can put hope in our, our wallets. We can hope in all these things, but they let us down. Here's one of the greatest things that we do. Maybe you'd agree with me on this. Outside of God, one of the greatest things that we can put our hope in, that we tend to do, is people. We put our hope in people, don't we? Here's what happens. Three things that happens when we put our hope on anything, especially people, outside of Jesus. Idolization, disillusionment, and deception. When our hope lies outside of Jesus, all three of those things happen. Why? Because people will let you down. And that's not me being like doomsday-ish. That's just the truth. I say this. As a, as a pastor, as a leader, do not put your hope in me. We're seeing that too much. Do not put your hope in this pulpit. It's just a piece of plastic. This is going to go away. That stands forever. We don't put our hope in stuff and things and people. Why? Because they'll let us down. Our hope should be in Jesus. Our hope shouldn't be in a man or a woman or a system or a political regime. It shouldn't be in any of those things. Our hope should be in Jesus. Why? Because he is the one who has come and is coming back. He is the one who has come and is coming back. He is the one who's given us grace and love and hope and joy and peace. My job as a pastor is just to be a herald of the good news. I am just a voice. I'm, a, I'm an air traffic controller. Jesus. 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 That's my job. 
But haven't we watched that happen? Haven't we put our hope in... When the location of our anchor of hope is off, our hope tends to shift and move. The only foundation sure and steadfast is Christ, which then brings us to our third and last common mistake, and that's improper setting of the anchor. In the article, the writer says this, and I love it, he says, for some reason, very few people actually set their anchor. Everybody shout set. set. Come on, everybody shout set. set. Set their anchor. They just let it out, tie it off, and go below. And then he asks this question, how do they know the anchor will hold them? Now, I found this really interesting because it's not the anchor that holds them. It's not the anchor that holds them. Mitch, give me that chair. Fold it. Yeah. There we go. This is my anchor, in which I'm well pleased. <laughs> the anchor doesn't hold If I could tie a chain to this right here and I drop it, it's, it's, it's just a heavy piece of metal that lies on something, a foundation. It has to be set. It has to grab a hold of something. So the question is, is what is it grabbing a hold of? That's the question that we have to ask. Because so many people, like the writer says, they just let out their anchor, they let it drop, and they go below, and they're like, oh yeah, it's good. And the funny thing is, is that we do that as well. I come to church, I hear some worship, I listen to a guy shout at me for a little while, and then I go, and everything is good, but then I'm wondering why all of a sudden when a storm hits me, I'm so moved. Is it possible that I dropped my anchor, I let it out, I went down below, failing to realize that I have not yet understood what to set the anchor in? Because setting my anchor is where it really starts to take place because then the storms of life can push and pull against me. But when my anchor is set, I am immovable. So then what do we set our anchor in? That's a great question. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 13, love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is what? Here's the setting of our anchor. Love. Love. See, it's one thing to drop my anchor. It's another thing to set that anchor. And I potentially have an anchor of hope that's in Jesus. I know that the foundation is Jesus. But then I just drop the anchor thinking it's going to set because I failed to do one thing. And that is realize the love that is in Jesus. Is it possible that we dutifully come to church? We give, we serve, we do all those things. But is it possible that I still don't realize that I'm loved by God? That the anchor is not properly set 
And so I'm pushed around, I'm moved, I'm, I'm shifted. Why? Because my anchor's lying on a foundation, but it hasn't been set on a foundation. You gotta set it. You gotta set it. What does it mean to be set? Greg, pop up here, bud. I didn't do any of this in the first service, so. Hashtag 1130's winning, so. <laughs> Stands just straight. I love you, just so you know. Okay, so I, if I push him. <laughs> I, I told you I loved you. <laughs> if I push him, right? Why? This dude played football, so he knows what's next now. Set yourself. Set yourself. I mean, set yourself. You know I'm coming at you. I can't move him. Because if he's set, and he knows this is a football player, if he's set, and he's low, and he's gripped, and he's, I'm, I'm set, then he can't be moved by stuff. The problem is that sometimes we just stand. <laughs> we just stand. That's it. I let my anchor down and I go below and it's all good and it's nice Christian sayings and everything like that and it's, it's all beautiful and nice until the storms come and they start whirling around you and everything's going and the question is, is my anchor set? Is my hope dropped on a firm foundation? Am I now set? Am I sitting here ready? No matter what comes my way, I'm set. I'm set. I love you, just so you know. Sorry. <laughs> You're firm. It's good. Thanks, bud. Some of you guys, I have a pastor's violent. <laughs> the greatest hope we will ever have is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. What's your theological stance? Jesus. <laughs> What's your Greek and Hebrew? Jesus. What's your doctrine statement? Jesus. What's your church about? Jesus. What's your family about? Jesus. What's your relationships about? Jesus. What is my work about? Jesus. What is my play about? Jesus. What is my future about? Jesus. What are my kids about? Jesus. What is your heart about? Jesus, what is your head about? Jesus, what is your soul about?